You're listening to the Arcade Vaults podcast, where we're chatting all things gaming. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever it is you're watching, whenever you get round to watching it. Uh, it's the Arcade Vaults podcast. We're back again um, for what episode are we on now? This is episode 18. 18, 18, 18 yeah. right? After it a little, is. we had that little hiatus, and we're on to 18. Um, so, yeah, episode 18 for the 10th of November, technically launch day, depending on where you are in the world and how oh, you're doing is. stuff for Xbox, right? It is, it's yeah, not, we're, yeah, yeah. We're recording a little bit earlier, as we tend to do and things, so it's not technically launch day, but it's kind of launch day, and it might be launch day for some of you, so it feels pertinent that we uh, that we celebrate. Um, Archivots podcast, uh, every week we get together, it's me, Chris, sometimes a, a kind of revolving guest as well, where we talk about all the video game news locally, uh, worldwide, and we talk about what's going on with the Archivots as well. Uh, Chris, my hey. co-host... Here How again. you doing? How are you, buddy? I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, I'm in the arcade vaults. I'm in the arcade vaults with a like a shielded background, but I am actually in the arcade vaults. So it's good to be back. Uh, Wales, of course, is out of uh, lockdown now, so at we long are last, yeah. at long last. So we can record in person, but we're not because we just we're very busy people, right, Tom? Yeah, I mean, we're all uh, over the place, but yeah, <laughs> it's a uh, it's a weird one. Like Cardiff is it's. We just reopened and Cardiff is already wild. You know, like videos yeah. online of people queuing out places. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I point fingers, but I literally was out this morning getting an eye appointment done as well. Like, <laughs> it, it barely struck midnight and I was ready to go out. Yeah. Well. Um, but yeah, uh, which means the arcade box is going to be reopening, opening the it doors is. again. Yeah. It is. Yes, it What's is. What's the plan there? Uh, so we will be opening on Wednesday the 11th. Which, uh, in viewers' and listeners' terms, that's tomorrow. If you're listening it on to the 10th, of course. If you're not, yeah. then, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and we should hopefully be back to kind of relative normality, apart from, you know, obviously the COVID regulations in place. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. But there are, there are things happening which we'll talk about later, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. We'll dig into it. Uh, but we're going to dig into that later. Um, this is the RK Vaults podcast, and we're going to start with the first segment, as we always do every week, which is our top stories for this week. Cool. So, and you're going to see me kind of sway my vision as I go through our docket because there's, it's a weird one. It feels like we're in that holding pattern, right? Before next gen hits and yeah, and all the news yeah, yeah. come out around that. Um, but we'll start off with our first story this week, uh, which is Pokemon Go. Now, Pokemon Go has had an absolute belter of a year by the sounds of it, right? Which which is mind-boggling, right? Because uh, everyone's across the world, a lot they're being locked in. There's the, the, you know the whole concept of Pokemon Go is to walk about, right? You you go out and do things. Well, they have sort of changed it up, right? So that it's still playable in some form. Yeah, yeah. So there are still kind of ways to play it, and like I'm still doing like the little bits of I'll just be sat kind of watching TV at home, and I'm lucky there's like a PokeStop right outside my door, so I can just well, pick up my phone here. and kind of spin it catch a few pokemon maybe drop a load there if you need to but it, it just keeps giving you know yeah. this game like it's it's impressive um so yeah i mean there's not a huge amount i'm just looking through the uh, the article so it's an ign article that we've got here as always all the links will be down in the description so it's a uh, adam bankhurst ign 
Um, so I think the numbers officially... So to date, since its launch, it's accumulated nearly $4.2 billion in player spending billion. globally. Billion. Insane. That's insane. Um, the US is the most lucrative, which I guess is another one where it's interesting. It's not all of the US lockdown, or some of it did. Well, yeah, that's true, yeah. Um, Japan is up there as well, about $1.3 billion from Japan. So that game just keeps on going, you know? Uh, and it's cool. Like, I like that it is. There was that period where it was... Like the go-to, right? Like mm. everybody was playing it. Everybody yeah, you could see everyone walking around on their phone like this. Like, well, not I, looking I remember like so clearly, like managing to get the um, oh, what do you call it? I'm all iOS now, so I haven't done it in ages. But you could download the app separately away from the app store, right? Is it yeah, a- yeah. A- APU or UP? APK? APK. There you go. Yeah. So downloaded that, went around, and for a couple of days, I was like, yeah, I'm ahead of the curve. And then slowly more people be like, oh no, everyone's clocking on. And then it launched, and everybody was on that game. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's had a good year, I suppose, um, which is, which is good considering you think it would have been restricted, but it's just going to keep growing. What, what was it? One billion dollars just this year, just this year. Um, as reported by Sensor Tower, Pokemon Go earned eight hundred and thirty-two million dollars in player spending in its launch year of twenty sixteen. Da 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 da. Where's the one for? It's oh, it's continued. Okay, so spending declined in 2017. It's continued to rise through the first month, 10 months of 2020, and it's up 11, uh, 11% from 2019's total. It's weird. There's lots of percentages here, but there's actually a number for this. I, I, uh, right at the top, actually. It's actually, to- actually at the top. Allegedly, it says. Has ele- Pokemon oh, Go has alleged- alleged- yeah, yeah. billion. There you go. So that's in the headline, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's, it's doing really well, um, which is always good to see. You don't want to yeah. see a game fail. No, no, and no. I, no. I, it's a nice game to be able to like drop in and out. Like I can't, I don't have to play that game for ages um, and then go, oh yeah, and jump in for a little bit every now and again. It, it's only it's a game that I've only got into in the last month or two, mainly because we're now a Pokestop, we're now a gym actually, a sponsored gym. Uh, so I had to kind of see what the game was about. I thought it was going to be a gym, and to, yeah. so yeah, I, I get it. I get why people. It's kind of it's very easy to just kind of pick up quickly, catch a couple of Pokemon, put it back down again. That's it, right? I mean really easy game to play like, it's also like a, the community in Cardiff is huge like oh, all absolutely. the way ever since launch there's always people so around the kind of clock um, right in the middle of town right like outside the Starbucks there there's mm-hmm. always groups of people there like they're dotted around everywhere yeah and we, we, we serve coffee and hot drinks and food and stuff so I know. now we're uh, yeah, a yeah you can sit on a table we are going to be definitely <laughs> that's the plan anyway just drop a low, play some video games, drink some coffee, catch a bunch of stuff. <laughs> All good. Um, cool. So yeah, Pokemon Go going well. Um, another game that's doing well. Uh, we know firsthand why it's doing so well. Is a uh, Phasmophobia. Yeah. So, I so I miss our live stream as well. So I'm still completely blind on this game. So you're probably worth talking to about the yeah. game first. Right? I, I I give I give Sarah and Jody credit on this. Uh, they brought it to my attention. They said it'd be a good game to stream, and I, I looked into it. It is hugely popular as a game to watch people play, and I think that's definitely tapped into its popularity. People lo- people love watching other people get scared. Uh, we 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 played it on our stream yesterday or Sunday. That would be. Uh, and uh, you know, as an example of how wide appeal it is, we had someone comment, "I love seeing British people uh, getting scared. They're really creative <laughs> with their swearing." That's, and uh, we, <laughs> it's, that's the kind of that's the kind of thing people like to watch. It, it, yeah. it, it is it is a good game. It's kind of it's it's definitely early access, and I can see why um, the dev is 
uh, working on concentrating on the bug fixes rather than extra content because um, yeah. you know there are some early access games I mean it's playable it's definitely playable and the last fix alone fixed a load of stuff but uh, it, it has, it's just smacks of early access all over yeah. it and uh, but I mean what's the guy sold uh, in terms of what's his player base 2 million sales uh, and that's only came a game only kept out in September that's that's pretty phenomenal. It's a weird problem to have, right? Like what early access does, where because um, Fall Guys had a similar thing where if it catches traction on Twitch, that's it. Your game's exploded. Mm-hmm. So you might still like you might be literally dealing with early access beta testing with an unfinished game, and if it goes viral the right way, well, everyone's playing it. It's not yeah, finished, yeah. but you've probably got more exposure then than most developers are getting a lifetime. Oh. Look at look at uh, look at Among Us. Among Us. I mean, I wouldn't say that's an early access example, but certainly in terms of blowing up because of streaming, it was just it was there. It had been out for a couple of years. It's just suddenly it just caught traction, and now it's, it's yeah, it's uh, it's incredible, really. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So I mean, they've, they've announced that they're keeping it in early access. There, they're not pushing out a launch kind of any earlier than they need to. They're not pushing mm-hmm. on new content, which is a weird thing. It's you go and I've got to finish this game that everyone's already playing and as soon as they do launch it they're probably going to be complaining that it's old and they're going to want more stuff again <laughs> like, yeah yeah I, I can um, imagine though once they get it to the right point it will be i can see lots of interesting because yeah. because uh, in case anyone who hasn't heard of it basically we probably should explain the game really briefly you, the idea is uh you go into a haunted house with and it's it's co-op so you can pick a team and you get various bits of equipment and you have to uh, sort of figure out if the house is haunted and what's haunting it. Actually, they're all haunted. Uh, you have to kind of figure out what the ghost type is, and you have to try not to die because uh, the ghosts can kill you. And uh, it's it's kind of funny because you're walking. Have you ever seen those TV shows where they hunt ghosts? Like most uh, haunted. Yeah, most haunted. Yeah, it's like that. Like you kind of yeah. The, the game has got like voice uh, recognition built into it, so you're like talking into your mic, going, "Hello, is anybody there?" <laughs> and, and it's hilarious and then of course you get your jump scares and it's really good yeah. it's really so so you can see why it's popular but anyway there you go that's my favorite yeah i mean it's good I, it would be nice to see it, i hope for their sake like the team they can kind of go oh we've got all these sales now people are really interested we can invest in staff we can start like, yeah, you know, we, can, yeah. we can put an actual team together and start investing that money You've got to wonder about that because I think it's the same thing with Among Us. People wonder whether because I think they're, they're both both games have been developed with small teams and their team sizes have stayed pretty static. So it's not easy to scale up straight away. You've got to find you know the money doesn't just come in and go straight into you know development, does it? So but yeah, we'll see. We'll see whether they'll they'll be able to scale up the development on this. Be nice. Yeah, it'd be good to see. Um, it'd be nice to see how that kind of game develops and hopefully it keeps some of that steam. Yeah. yeah. Um. Huh. So there's also been in other news a whole bunch of different security leaks. Now I'm I'm gonna flip the gamut on this one just because I feel like the one that I saw most about was the fact that Watch Dogs Legion got hacked, <laughs> which for a game that's built and structured around hacking is hysterical. It boggles um, the mind. I cannot believe this. Yeah, it's I. It's tragic, right? And like they're just video game guys, like they just make video games. You think their security would be a little bit better, but it's there's a level of irony. Um, the headline that we've got from Engadget, and you've got to give John Fingers like credit for it. So the headline that they've gone with Engadget is just Watchdog Legions, a game about hacking, maybe a victim of a hack. And the subheading, which is just 
it's like rain on your wedding day. <laughs> Deep cut, great reference. Um, and yeah, actually it, ironic as well. Yeah, genuinely, yeah. <laughs> Rather, um, as, as opposed to rain on your wedding day. But anyway. I mean, it's funny. It's also a little bit scary. So mm. I'm just looking over the article again here. Um, so essentially... The hackers have got a bunch of information. They it seems to be like it's around about five hundred and sixty gigabytes or something along those lines that they're pretty much holding ransom until October, right? Yeah, but it's it's, is, a, it's actual source code for the game, right? That yeah. we're looking at here. Which I feel like the source code for the game, like there was talks about bits of it leaking and stuff beforehand as well, which is a whole it's just baffling to me that it can happen. Mm. So Ubisoft in a statement said that it was aware of the leak and it was investigating a potential data security incident um they're also claiming that they've managed to get encrypted data um from crytek as well but it's not entirely clear sort of if they've locked down this watchdog stuff and things and then as well as watchdogs uh you've then got capcom who've got the same things there's another article that we're going to have in the link for mm -hmm. uh the bbc article just saying that capcom have been hacked in that cyber attack on game makers as well mm -hmm. um I mean, Chris, what, what did you manage to read about this when you looked in? So, um, it ba basically, it looks like uh, not much has actually happened. Um, they identified that the hack had happened uh, because it, there were some issues with their network servers. Um, nothing actually seemed to be affected, and Capcom haven't said what has been accessed. Um, so, it's kind of... It's kind of all a bit... Hush, hush. If I'm honest... Reading between the lines in both of these articles, I don't think these hackers have taken anything of value. I think what they've just shown is that they can do it. Um, you know, they've said they're holding the source code for Watchdogs uh, to ransom, but holding it to ransom doesn't really. I mean, it's it's proprietary, sure, but what are people going to be able to do with the source code for Watchdogs? I mean, technically, you could decompile the game on your computer if you really wanted to. If you want yeah. to see something of interest in there, but the, the source code to Watchdogs is probably not going to mean much to a lot of people, unless it was something like really important, like the network code for the yeah. multiplayer. But I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it just sounds like it's doing it for the sake of doing it, right? There yeah, doesn't yeah. seem to be like Capcom have been pretty public in apologising to uh, stakeholders more than mm -hmm. anything. Yeah, yeah, there's no customer information that's gone that customers no, have yeah. to worry about because there was, it was the Sony one right a little while ago where there was kind of customer information that went down and mm -hmm. like the network went down for a long time and that mm -hmm. was that was the start of the PS3 generation I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was and, like, a big yeah, one. That was that was big and that was a little bit scary, but customer information i think in 2020 as well customer information is now it should be so heavily protected right mm -hmm. like gdpr regulations especially across europe and yeah. the eu and uk they shouldn't be anywhere near accessible and if it is source code that they go well it they shouldn't have had access to it but i don't really know what you get out of it no uh, short it, of going oh i can I, I can copy bits of this and i can use it for my game and i'm like if you play watchdogs you'll know that They've also probably copied a bunch of, <laughs> from a bunch of other people's games. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can, I, I safely think. I think it, it's, 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 it's certainly an interesting achievement for the hackers to have hacked three fairly high-profile companies, at least that we know of. Um, but the fact that they got nothing out of it says a lot. It's, it's probably they just did it for the lols, uh, as as the hackers would say. Yeah, uh, I would not say that. <laughs> no, I mean. 
I guess the one thing that does maybe kind of put you in a good position if you do have access to that source code is there's always talk that as soon as the game launch and people start decompiling and digging through, they find things like um, bits of the code that are prepping for DLC and stuff, right? Like yeah. a new patch will come out and all of a sudden, like there's an option there to go, cool, well, here's how much DLC is coming for this game and you can start pulling that information. But that's in 2020, that's not going to be on the the version of the game that goes gold, right? I, like that's Exactly, no, no one does that. And, in, and even then, every time one of those DLC leaks has happened when people you know, ascertain that information from source code, it's actually been kind of positive for the companies in some ways, unless it's been, you know, it's like as in positive PR, you know, the people have gone, hey, you know, that sounds interesting. I'm really up for this now, uh, where yeah. I wasn't before. Uh, m- most of the time, I don't, I don't think it's a, like a, I don't think it's going to be detrimental to them uh, or to their image, really. Um, well, I mean, I've just actually remember there's a bit of news that isn't in our docket that I probably should have added to it because it's worth, it's definitely worth mentioning more detrimental to Watchdog's reputation is the fact that they had a woman who had done a bunch of, I want to say she's a BBC radio host maybe, mm-hmm. but she's like an in-game kind of character, right? She runs the radio station and stuff and they, they do a lot of rabble rabble, yell yell, anarchy activist kind of, of stuff. Of course. Um, and she then, she's now been pulled from the game completely oh, really? because there's ties to kind of older um, transphobic comments that she made. And Ubisoft oh. have taken the decision to go. Cool, we're not. We don't. We don't want that. We weren't aware. We should have been. We didn't. Our bad. We've removed her from it. Okay. And a lot of people then saying, "Well, do you remove her? Sure, that's suppression of speech." And it's like, "Well, it's not suppression of speech. This is our game. It's our platform." That's probably a bigger concern for uh, for. But I'm having a look now to see if I can't get a link up that we can drop in so that people who are listening can go and dig in. But um, yes, yeah, so it's UK journalist Helen Lewis. Helen so Lewis. she's. If, if she's the lady that I think she is in the game, she's doing a lot of stuff that I actually thought was pretty cool, which it was the idea of this dystopic London mm. and this news journalist talking and kind of rallying people as to why the government's so horrible, right? With the kind of, well, okay. they're breeding anti-Muslim rhetoric and this, that and the other. And it, it's actually quite an interesting angle for the game to even put that in there. It's inherently political and stuff. But yeah, she's been pulled off completely... Ubisoft then jumped in and said, "Cool, that doesn't reflect the game, or or as it's not what we want. She can think what she wants, and they pulled her off completely." Okay, interesting. <laughs> and interestingly, it, like this is an ongoing thing for Watchdog, uh, not Watchdog for Ubisoft as well. Where it was only a couple of months. It was a couple of weeks ago they had the um, mobile game with the Black Lives Matter iconography on it. Oh yeah, yeah I saw something about that? that. I saw something about that. What was that? They. They used it without context or something? What was the... Basically, they, they had an underground... What they were pushing as a te- terrorist cell, like a kind of terrorist... Uh, yeah, and they were represented beat. by the Black Lives Matter fist thing, right? Yeah, like that was the big thing, right? And and it was then like, well, now you're criminalising the Black Lives Matter movement. And they were like, no, we've just poorly judged the situation. You're like, hmm, did you? Or is this something that slipped between the cracks? I don't know. Ubisoft have got a few issues at the at other levels as well in terms of the way they've been treating staff, but that's an ongoing story, and yeah. uh, I'm sure it'll come up again. Yeah, the treatment of women have been a, a recurring yeah. thing across the company from top yeah. to bottom. Yeah, there was a was it the big Ubisoft announcement they did where East Guillemon came out and kind of said, "Look, we're, we're aware of this, and it's not okay." And everyone's kind of well, if that's the case, you maybe should have put that at the start of your big press interview instead of separately on YouTube an hour beforehand, and then just mm. moved moved on. You know, they've they seem to be struggling with a lot more than hacking. I guess is what, what I'm yeah. getting at. Um, 
but yeah, so I don't know. Keep your data safe. Keep it away from these big companies if you can, I suppose. Because <laughs> it does seem like it's very safe where yeah. it is, right? Yeah. Um, on more positive news, and this is a last minute addition to the news because it's sick. Um, so obviously, we're on the cusp of Spider Man Miles Morales and PS5 coming out. And um, Insomniac have announced that they're going to put the. Um, into the Spider-Verse suit, right? From the movie, they're going to put that into the video game. And initially, like, oh, that's okay. They, they did that with Spider-Man 5. Uh, Spider-Man 5? Spider-Man on PS4, the PS5 one, but they had a... I think it was the Peter Parker suit, right? From Spider-Verse. Spider-Man, from yeah. Which was... Had, like, the, yeah. The colour scheme, right? And the, yeah. kind of, and the kind of cell the kind shadedness. Of, and Yeah, the kind of dotted, um, you know, like the pop culture dots and stuff yeah, on yeah. there. And they had, like, uh, the Tobey Maguire suit, which I was like, this is incredible. Um, but they are like just suits, they're just skins. Yeah. If you have a look on YouTube, we'll put the link in this to, to the podcast as well. It looks amazing. They've actually animated not just the suit, but they've animated Miles in the game so that he's actually animated at a lower frame rate to the rest of the game. So you get that kind of stuttery, almost janky looking animation style. And it just changes the way the whole game looks. I, like, uh, this, it's insane, right? I, 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 I saw this literally two minutes before we... Because I, I knew they were doing this, but I had no idea they were changing animation. So I only saw this two minutes before we went uh, started recording this. It is amazing. I have now, I, I loved Into the Spider-Verse and I loved Spider-Man on the PS4. So to com- this is just... Um, I cannot believe they pulled this off and you have to see it it's to believe so it. Cool, right? It's so cool. It's one thing, there's like a big video that was... Um, that's on that, and I don't think, officially speaking, we've had any reviews come in for, for Miles Morales. Oh, no. No, they have, haven't they? They have, IGN, coming, yeah, they have been coming in, yeah. Eurogamer's got it, I think. Eurogamer gave, gave it uh, Essential or Recommended? I would think with it being on PS5 as well, you'd think Essential, right? Yeah. I mean, But I know, like, it looks really cool. Like, the more I see that game, the more I'm like, the way that Miles has these kind of extra power sets, so there's bits of lightning and you know yeah, he's got yeah, venom yeah. blast sparking everywhere and the music has been changed dramatically from th- from the game that we play so it's it's less of that kind of big orchestral hero music and it feels kind of that grittier street hip-hop vibe that into the spider-verse had all the way through mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like those shots early on in the movie of miles working his way through kind of brooklyn and it's just got this beat and this rhythm to it and the whole game yeah, seems yeah. to have that and a mixture of like the music, and then seeing that suit and that look and that aesthetic, you're like, "This isn't far off just an Into the Spider Verse video game now." Like, this is awesome. Which is this just so awesome. Cool. It's mind-boggling that they pull that off. But yeah, it looks good. It looks really, really good. It so does. Uh, yeah, go go check that out. Um, the game's coming out on PS4 and PS5, so you don't have to be getting a PS5 to nope. to play it. And uh, to be fair, if you're gonna play it like Into the Spider Verse and you can play it with that suit. It probably benefits from not looking hyper <laughs> realistic. It probably looks it a little bit better if it looks yeah, a bit less yeah. gen. Um, so yeah, that's that's really awesome. Um, we've got a new sort of almost a new structure to the news, right? Like yeah, we normally, yeah. Because we, we always talk that we have these recurring themes that come up week we after do. week without fail. Yeah. But we now have a, we have a specific bit in our in our structure that says we're going to talk about video game TV stuff. Yeah. Um, there hasn't been a lot recently, has there? But it's only co- it's pro- I guess because everyone froze because of uh, COVID, uh, they just stopped filming stuff yeah. for a while, right? Which I, thought, I think the last thing I remember us talking about was the Uncharted movie. Yeah, yeah. Which is actually still like, filming, isn't it? It's still filming. No, filming. they wrapped. They wrapped. Oh, they wrapped. 
Yeah. They wrapped. Like Tom Holland showed us a picture of there was a picture of Tom Holland and Nolan North who does the voice work for Drake. Yeah. On set, I was like, that's cool. And then a, a picture leaked of Tom Holland in full costume. Like, yeah. He looks like Drake. That's cool. Yeah. And then it was a Drake. picture of the slate, just saying the film's wrapped. You're like, that was quick. Is this a film? Is it an advert for a film that you plan on filming later? I don't know. Um, right, but okay. yeah, this week's news. Um, there's a live-action TV series for Assassin's Creed making its way to Netflix. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I like your reaction. because my. Re- okay, have you seen the film? The, uh, the, the live-action film? Boy, so I, I will shamefully hang my head and say that I backed that film I, so I read an interview somewhere with Michael Fassbender where he said, I'm a huge fan of the games. I, I will finance the film. I will write the script myself. I will do anything to get this made. And I was like, oh, that's what you need. Someone who cares that much about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Turns out you need a lot more than someone who cares. Uh, the film isn't great. <laughs> the film is not great. I think Fassbender is good. Uh, but I think the film just has a... You know what? The best game series, sub-series, within the Assassin's Creed series was when it, the Ezio the Elder Tour... Uh, Tory 3 because partly because I think initially his character wasn't taking it all too seriously you know there's a little bit of uh, the problem with these games is sometimes they take themselves way too seriously and that film takes itself way 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 too seriously it's like yes it really does it's just guys chill out it's focusing on the wrong part of it right like the don't me wrong the cool kind of conspiracy stuff and the you know the animus stuff that's in there like that's just really cool yeah that's not actually what you do in 90% of these games, you no. know? It's a little subplot almost. Exactly. So, yeah, it's, it's a weird one. And it's, it's another, you know, this isn't just an Assassin's Creed thing. Like, Ubisoft tried this with Prince of Persia as well. Like, they pushed Prince of Persia into um, a movie not too long ago, and that came out with Jake Gyllenhaal, remember? I was too offended by that film. It um, was fine. It was fine. <laughs> It was uh, a film. It was, I, I actually forgot about that. I was like, they did a Prince of Persia. Oh, no, I watched that film. <laughs> yeah. So it was entirely forgettable, to be fair. Um, yeah. I, it seems like, I don't know, it seems like everybody wants it, right? Everybody has an IP that they want to make something bigger. Like, it's absolutely wild to me that with the Tom Clancy name, and I suppose there's a level of complication yeah. here where obviously there's a lot of Tom Clancy movies and TV series yeah, and video yeah, games, I and I suppose I, I don't know where Splinter Cell would fall. It's, it's, it's. I don't know. You can't. It's, it's. It's difficult because book rights, right? I mean, you're gonna. That, yeah, I was gonna say. It's. Can you get away with making a video game adaption if the video game was itself an adaption of a book, or do you have to go back to? <laughs> I don't know. What I know that's part of the part of the reason we don't get many James Bond games, right? And when we do, they tend to be trash if it's not Goldeneye. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, do you know though? I think uh, the bigger issue here is that people look at the big story-driven franchises like your Assassin's Creed and your Uncharted's and they think, well, they've got story, let's make it into film. And they, they think that they can just translate that story directly from these things into film. But the stories have already been told in the way that they're meant to be told as an interactive medium, not as a as a sort of thing. I, and I, I, don't get me wrong, I've, this, there's many arguments to prove what I'm saying here is wrong because the Witcher TV series absolutely proves proves it wrong Witcher TV yeah. series is fantastic it's probably but then arguably it's not based on I was like going to say Witcher, Witcher fans will go out of their way to remind you that it's, it's not based, based on the game it's, it's based, based on, on the, the book exactly yeah. and that's probably why it succeeded in some respects uh, compared to this but uh, so there's there's other games that don't necessarily 
come to mind in terms of mainstreamness that could be ad- adapted adapted into more interesting stories. Uh, I can't think of anything right now at the top of my head, but I know there are others. Like, I'm just looking. I'm just looking at this deadline piece here, and the closing paragraph pretty much is saying that. Ubisoft Film and Television's slate of IP-based and original film and TV projects in various stages of development and production include the films... Oh, so Tom Clancy's The Division. They're okay. coming to Netflix. That's good. That's uh, right. A Rabbids movie, okay, which that... simultaneously feels like it should have happened already and, and has it... happened already, but it hasn't. That makes sense. Um, just, just Dance. dance. What? I mean, sure, sure, sure a dance not. movie. All right, fine. Okay. Um, Beyond Good and Evil, which yeah. you know, I don't know, maybe finish the game first. Um, Werewolves Within, which is an independent feature that I don't think is that tied to a game that I'm not aware of or something. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. Um, there you go. That's why I'm going crazy. As I swear, Rabbids has already happened. There's an animated series called Rabbids Invasion that's on season four already. Uh, so I have seen Rabbids on a screen. Um, the best one that I've seen so far is Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet. Like, I don't know if you've watched Mythic Quest yet or if you've had the chance to. It's a weird one, and we can talk to how weird it is because we're on a video game podcast. But it's um, uh, Rob McElhenney, the guy that does, uh, well, one of the main creators behind uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So he plays a very John Romero esque kind of eccentric creative director type. Mm-hmm. who's running a studio that are just trying to get this new expansion for a video game out and it's all set in the studio i've heard of this it's really good like i've I, never I watched, watched it. it is it good what's it called yeah. uh, mythic, uh, mythic quest? quest yeah mythic quest raven's banquet i get yeah, the impression yeah, yeah. that we're going to have mythic quest season two is going to be mythic quest something else right and basically right, right, right. they're doing yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's ropey because it's a first season um, and it's also worth mentioning that it's the first season on Apple TV Plus, mm. and Apple TV are and in of themselves they're you know fresh, they're new yeah, on the yeah. scene, producing their own content. Um, it's worth me saying that when I did watch it, I didn't pay for it. I had a code provided and stuff um, just for kind of clarity. Mm-hmm. But it's good, like it's really fun. I really enjoyed it. It has its problems um, every now and again. But the thing that made me laugh is that they work specifically with Ubisoft. Because him and his team wanted to make sure that it was a realistic reflection of a video game studio. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a lot of it looks like that. However, there's a weird thing where as you're going through every now and then, they'll show you bits of footage of this game that they're working on. And one minute you're like, well, that was Warcraft. And then there'll be another bit you're like, that was For Honor. Like, this one <laughs> game is, very, is several different games. right? Like, well, that was Assassin's Creed I saw there. So you're doing a lot here. Um and then they're all supposed to be reflective of one game. So if you know video games, it's weird watching it. You're yeah, like, that doesn't okay. seem right. Uh, but I enjoyed it. You know, I enjoyed it. So yeah, it seems like Ubisoft want to keep doing it. They've got a lot of IP to flex, especially you know over Clearly, the years. Yeah. So who knows? Um, who knows? And the other one, Speak of the Devil. Um, we just mentioned The Witcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Witcher Two is halted filming, which should be shocking to no one. Other than the fact that I actually would have thought that they would have stopped that a little bit earlier, to be honest. Mm. Well, no, I mean, it's first that a lot of TV shows. Uh, so, in case anyone international is watching and not aware, in, whilst we're, we in Wales have just come out of lockdown, England has just gone back into lockdown uh, for four weeks. Uh, I am, I'm, I know a lot of TV productions have had special permissions to carry on filming during various lockdowns, um, but this. I think has shut down specifically because of a outbreak, a specific outbreak on set yeah. uh, at the studios just outside London. So, 
Um, yeah, they have to they have to stop Wally. Test, I guess. It's uh, it's a chat like it's producing anything. Like if you, if you've never tried putting together a, a, a even a short film, right? Like I did a few short films when I was in London and stuff. I, I kind of worked on a few and produced a few. A short film with three members of cast and maybe half a dozen crew members is a nightmare mm. to arrange logistically. Doing an actual, real, grown-up TV show with hundreds of cast members and hundreds more to... I can't imagine how difficult that is. Yeah. You know, um, we mentioned Mythic Quest earlier, because I follow Rob on um, Twitter, so I kind of keep up with how that show's developing. And the one thing he said is it's been incredible being able to go back and start making it, but everything takes so much longer. Mm. Because it used to be, well, I can have my light guys and my camera guys and my costume guys and my set designer guys all together and they're all it's just everyone's whizzing around doing stuff you can't do that anymore it's very much now like cool you are set design so everyone shuts set design goes in that's an isolated team they're with each other but they don't mix with anyone else and it makes sure that if there is an outbreak it's contained Mm -hmm. but it means they're there for three hours then they go then you bring in the light guys they come in they do their thing then they go and it's it's all staggered so it's so difficult logistically like what do you do do you let everyone go wild and then if something like this does happen the outbreak is just massive how many people have you put at risk yeah it's it's, yeah it doesn't make it easy does it but well what can you do at this point i guess yeah yeah i mean it's i think we talked last week right about animations and stuff like that's maybe an easier place to work right if you're in animation at least you can keep everyone separate and and animation can happen on its own yeah you say you say that but then we know all the production of all the uh big animes help were paused during the during the first outbreak i don't know where where they stand at the moment um yeah it's a it's yeah it's all just very strange um Okay, there's no way you can. I mean, this is all. This is like just a catchphrase for everyone at the moment about everything, not just this. It's yeah, just, it's, just, just, it's just. We're we're figuring it out. <laughs> like, I I, had, I, I didn't blame anyone. I did notice. I watched my first uh, TV show that had been filmed, sort of slashed during post uh, pandemic the other day. Uh, it was uh, the Goldbergs. I don't know if you ever watched it. American comedy. It's quite it's innocuous it kind of sits in the background but yeah. you know and I noticed they, there's one scene where they're all on a plane and it almost intentionally they'd spaced everyone out every other couple of seats and you could see it's like well okay maybe but it's set in the 80s yeah. uh, you know it's like arguably maybe there weren't many people flying in the 80s but clearly you've done that because of COVID reasons because yeah. ex- the yeah. extras have to be spaced out it's, it's got to be right I mean you know, and I think um, they just had his dark materials go off on Sunday as well, which I know a lot was filmed during the first or towards the end of the start of the first lockdown. So it'd be interesting to see. Anyway, I digress. It is, yeah, it's 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 so bizarre to me working at how people manage this differently. Like, you know, me and Will, who's on the podcast a lot, obviously part of the team. Like, we're big wrestling fans. Mm. Wrestling basically hasn't stopped. Like, fans have been gone, but they've been doing things that they've been shooting their TV shows and putting shows on. Mm. with no audience and now they're slowly filtering audience members in you're like well you can send away all the audience members in the world away but like that's still a bunch of people just rub it up and breathing all over each other like it's not great maybe you should pause it but they kept going so i I guess there's there's some ways around it i guess it's always a way way around it it, it, right Yeah, Yeah. yeah yeah So that's it for our little uh, our little TV corner of the news. Um, 
Are we going to make this, this? This should be a thing now. Like we'll yeah, go we should, digging for TV yeah. news every well, sure, week. There's sure, always something. There was something. Maybe we'll, start, we'll splash a little banner across TV news and then retro news and yeah, because that's our next corner. It's that the is. Retro it is. Yes. That's what we're See, what I did that. Segwayed onto that. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's some pretty. Yeah, there's some nice retro stories. There's there's some sad ones which seem to happen far too often for retro stuff. Mm. Uh, but we'll start from the first one. So, um, Portal Reloaded. Talk to yeah. me about this. Okay, so strictly speaking, this isn't big, big news. I don't think it's splashed headlines. We have a little discussion group with the Arcade Vaults team. There's a lot of us have played Portal. Everyone, we're big fans of Portal. Someone has um, made a version of Portal with a new mechanic, and it is on the Steam store. It's a community mod, so we've talked about mods before several times. This mod, as... It's a triple portal device. <laughs> you have to see the trailer to kind of fully grasp it. Just watch the, it at the minute. Yeah, the third portal is a time portal. So it takes you back in time. But the first two portals, a normal blue portal and the orange portal, persist across time. So it is. It's, you have to see the trailer. And <laughs> honestly... You know, you, you, the thing with Portal in the game, you have to, you always have to kind of work out the puzzles in a weird kind of three dimensions, and you have to really think kind of outside the box, so to speak, pardon the pun. But then you're adding in this other factor of time in there, and you're thinking in a whole new other way. It's just, it's crazy, and I, ha- I can't wait for this. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's going to be interesting. Um, they've created a wholly original uh, voice soundtrack. Uh, and voice lines it's uh, got 25 brand new puzzles that they've built from scratch using this new puzzle mechanic it is portal 2 mod i should clarify that it's um it's it's amazing and it's coming out in april next year that's the planned date that they're going to do it on Uh, it's just it's just had to be mentioned because it's just it's, it's very clever and if you recall the original portal was uh developed by a third party team who used the Source Engine, I think, to create um, the original Portal, and then Valve went, we like that, come work for us, and then released it as a full game, you know? you got to wonder whether any mod maker yeah. using these uh, engines are hoping that Valve are, like, watching closely. Want a job. <laughs> yeah, want a job. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm just watching it now, and it looks, it looks really cool. Like, the idea that, yeah, you've got the portals going either way, but I suppose as the game goes on, you'll have... So I guess the idea is you've got your normal two oval portals and then as you go through the green portal, which is your time one, you're kind of going into the same map, but it's decrepit and time has taken its toll and exactly. it's a different version of the map. And stuff, exactly, right? yeah, yeah. So this is stuff like, I, I've i always been like pretty open to saying like PC gaming is just a thing that I've never even dabbled in, right? Like it's, yeah. it's I've been a PlayStation guy, I always have been. And I've acquired a PC and I've slowly been discovering cool, like, PCs are pretty cool, and yeah. I was like, oh, well, it's probably I, I, not going to be that powerful. And the more that I'm playing it, the more I'm like going through. I've just loaded up. Um, oh, I'll say that actually because it's my pick for the week, but well, I'll, I'll tell you now. So, my pick for this week is going to be Star Wars Squadrons, and I'll jump into that a little bit later. But I've been stunned at how well that runs and how powerful the machine is. And I'm like, well, I've got all these games now. And the first thing I found was that like, you got to go back and play Half Life. I haven't played Half Life in years. Goes, I bet it looks better now than it did when you played it last, like because that's how yeah. mods and stuff work. So, yeah, yeah. have you actually played the Portals? Oh yeah, I played the Portal. So I played Portal One and Two because they came with the orange box, right? Yeah, the orange box. It's always box. been a little bit tricky to get Half Life One and Two on console, I think. Mm. Um, so I'm going to kind of go. I had to 
sit there on my cousin's PC, get through as much as I could, as quick as I could when I was a kid. So I can actually sit down and appreciate um, um, Half-Life now, which is going to be fun. Just a side note, I'm loving, I'm loving your journey here as, as you're doing it. And like every now and then he'll message me going, I've just tried this game. This is amazing. This looks great. And yeah, it's like, this looks I love this journey. Because uh, uh, interestingly, I've gone the other way as I've opened the arcade box. I've had to take a step away from PC gaming because I no longer have access to a PC easily. So, so yeah. well, the hardware is, is relocated. So I'm, back, I'm switching more to console gaming. So it's interesting seeing you go the other way. But anyway, we digress. Um, so, yeah, so yeah. Portal Reloaded, it looks really cool. I Like I said, I played Portal 1 and 2. The Portal 1 and 2 are, to this day, you can sit down and you can play them. Like, I was really speaking um, with uh, a friend and a colleague of mine who was going on about, like, for him, he's not, like, a gamer gamer. He'll go back to Portal 1 and 2. He'll dig out the Xbox to play it every couple of years or so. And mm-hmm. he's like, I don't do that with video games. I play Call of Duty and that's it. But Portal's one that I'm like, this game is incredible. And right. he goes back and plays it. So, um, so yeah, uh, check it out. It looks really cool. A uh, new sort of a new twist to a game that you already know is fantastic can't be a bad thing right mm-hmm. um i'm gonna divvy this up i, I want to try and keep somewhat positive and then we'll go into uh some of the sadder news so um, okay. we've also had a i guess it's kind of retro it is retro it's kind of like retro i feel like if you're gonna tag remaster on anything you, you remaster something that's kind of yeah. retro well uh, so i'm just gonna mass quickly effect, look it up go on you carry on long last Mass Effect um, a collection or a kind of trilogy and a remaster of the games has been announced. Um, so this will be the first Mass Effect anything that we've had since Andromeda, which came out to mixed, mixed reviews in 2017. Yeah. Um, it was a little bit ropey. It wasn't anywhere near the kind of peaks that the original trilogy had. So um, it looks cool. I, I am. I don't know if you can see. I'm representing. As I okay. as I tend to, that's actually a fluke. I didn't even realize what was going to happen until I sat down. I was like, oh yeah. Um, so uh, unintentional, but I guess a, a testament to how good those games are. That I still have this jumper and I refuse to throw it away. Just two side notes on that. Uh, one, the first Mass Effect came out in two thousand and seven, uh, so that would be thirteen years ago. I think. Oh my uh, god. I think it's probably safe to call that retro. Uh, the second thing is, I uh, never really played Mass Effect. Uh, so, and I've wanted to. It's been, you know, you just kind of accumulate a list of games. So, like, I didn't really get into the hype for Mass Effect until two came out, and then I was like, oh well, I've got to go play and put one first, and then kind of like, I didn't have the time to do that, and then three came out, and you're like, well, I've got three games to play now. So, I kind of, so this is ideal. Having a trilogy yeah. remastered coming out is ideal, and um, so I think, yeah, I think I'll be up for that. Um, I, th- go I think it's going to be a good way to play it as well. I think, especially considering. Mass, so Mass Effect 2 will always go down as one of, I think, for a lot of people, one of the best games ever, right? One of the greatest games ever. It's one of yeah, my favourite yeah. games of all time. Yeah. And then right. Mass Effect 3 is an absolute banger for a lot of people until it all kind of falls apart at the end, at the finish line for some I, people. I, that's the thing I, that I remember the most. I won't spoil anything because yeah. a lot of people are going to have an opportunity to re-experience these and we don't want to ruin it for you. Well, didn't but, they I mean, change the ending at one point? So this is the thing. There was a bunch of DLC and stuff that kind of, explained and fixed and, and repaired a bit of the damage that was done. So you'll always have people going, no, no, the ending's bad, but if you play it now, the DLC's there and they fix it and it makes more sense. And it's like, well, okay. sadly, that ship has already sailed. But if, mm. you know, for me, it had. I was like, oh, I'm already burned. I don't really feel motivated to go back. But it's been long enough that I'm like, right, it ended the way that it ended, but they're such good games that I'm absolutely ready to go back and play them again and, and meet those characters again and maybe because it's not so raw i'll be able to kind of 
flow through that and a bit oh no this isn't the ending i've still got another maybe 10 15 hours of dlc and that's okay. the ending okay. and it'll feel a bit better um so yeah i mean it's <coughs> i think they did announce alongside this that they're working on another mass effect game as well so they're not done with the ip andromeda mm-hmm. didn't sort of bury it yeah. um i do think andromeda depending on where you're looking i think it's available on ea's it's ea play their subscription service excuse me um, it is yeah. available to play on there if you subscribe and stuff. So okay. you can get your hands on Andromeda for dirt cheap at this point. And it seems like that's a much better game now that it's a little more stable. But even that, after it fixed and it wasn't so buggy, it still never really just, reached the heights of the original. Say, I, just, I remember those awful, awful face models that they used to... Ugh, anyway. Yeah, I was walking upstairs and, and my knees were over my forehead and stuff as I'm walking upstairs. And I remember just going, great, like... I, I was I wasn't very optimistic going into that game, but I was ready to try. I was ready to be hurt again, mm. uh, and it wasted no time in kicking me in the nuts a little bit. So, <laughs> uh, but, as these games do, as these games I, do. I know I know what I'm getting into. I know what these three games are. So, uh, so yeah, it should be good. Uh, watch it come out and be an absolute catastrophe somehow. <laughs> Stay positive, Tom. Stay positive. Stay positive. Um, cool. Yeah. So uh, Mass Effect is kind of back. Which is great. Any excuse to go play those games is awesome. Um, cool. Uh, so, the sadder part of it, I mean, I suppose one isn't so sad. Oh, it's because it's uh, not mass. It's kind of sad, but it's also kind of like, oh, okay. It had to happen. I guess, I guess maybe we won't know that it's sad until we see how it goes. So, uh, Codemasters, yeah. who are an institution here, um, a huge UK games firm, who I've known since I was a kid. Like, they've been on yeah. PS2 games and maybe even. Well, Code, Codemasters, you're going back to Codemasters and, and me. Stuff, right? I mean, Codemasters go back to the yeah. mid eight, mid to late eighties, I believe, at least. They uh, they did Micro Machines. They did uh, the Dizzy series. Uh, yeah, nineteen eighty eight. There's a BBC archive video of um, being at home at the Codemasters office. I mean, yeah, they was they they they've been around a long time. They are a British institution. Yeah, and I think it's a. It's an interesting thing as well. They've been around for so long and their success is kind of the ups and downs that I think inevitably come with a company being around that long, right? Like, mm. it's going to happen. Microsoft have had their moments. Apple have gone through their moments. Every company have had those ups and downs, whereas they seem now like they're in a pretty strong, stable place. Mm. I was stunned, to be honest, based on what I remember them being when I was a kid and where they are now. I was stunned by the valuation um, of the well. same. Yeah. Um, so... I'm just going to read through the first few lines of this year. So, uh, Codemasters is best known for its racing games, including Dirt Rally Series and Formula One. Keeping mm-hmm. in mind that Dirt, I think, in the in a post Colin McRae world, Dirt is arguably one of the biggest rallying games out there. Yeah, well, games I mean, that I, I I grew up playing those with my dad. Right, he's yeah. up in the forestries in North Wales. That's where he does his thing. So I grew up playing those games. There, the Formula One license. If you're a Formula One guy, those games I mean, are huge. You know, yeah. I know people who are Formula One games are there. They're FIFA, they're Maddens, they're Call yeah. of Duty, right? And these, so, and these games are their FIFAs and full full code masters, aren't they? You know, yeah, but, and I think if you can, if you can get one of those where you get an annual release and you've got people that are not gamers but they're playing, yeah, they tend to be people that will pump instead of sixty quid into a game every couple of months like we do. They'll pump hundreds over a year into that game, you know, repeatedly. Okay. So this is why they get an evaluation, I guess. But anyway, you're gone. Yeah. Um, so the studio is founded in the UK. Uh, 
currently in Southern Warwickshire. So uh, Take-Two was offered a deal. Keep in mind that Take-Two is an absolute mega house in video games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Take-Two was offered a deal that values Codemasters at £739 million. Pounds. So that's $973 million US dollars. Just shy of a billion dollars. I just, I mean... <laughs> huge. It's huge. huge. Um, you know, the buyout deal is worth uh, £1.20 in cash and £3.65 and take two shares for every Codemasters share. So if you're a shareholder in Codemasters, if you've been holding onto those stocks since the 80s, well done well, you. You're probably <laughs> doing okay. I don't know if they were uh, publicly traded in the 80s, but they certainly... They certainly you've been holding onto them for a while, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> However long it's been. <laughs> However long it's been. It's, cr- yeah, it's incredible. It's, it's incredible. It's, it's an interesting one. And it's... I def- I guess I sort of assumed sad news because a big company coming in and sweeping in a small company rarely is a good thing. But maybe for them, it could be great. You know, it could be really good. Ooh. I think about the, is it Playground Games that are UK-based that Xbox bought not too long ago and or the Xbox own and, and they are the, the Forza guys, right? That's what Playground are. They're now yeah. moving on and being kind of promoted to cool. Here's Fable. Here's one of the biggest Xbox IPs. Go with it. See what you can do. Maybe that's the kind of thing we see from Codemasters going forward. I don't know. Well, my worry with this kind of purchases is you, you're eroding the British games industry. And the British games industry is not small by any means. We've got we've got our we've got our big guns for sure. But um, we're always kind of it always feels like the the parent company is some global conglomerate rather than as a staying as an independently British kind of institution. That I mean. They probably still have the rights to a lot of the stuff that they made. Um, I imagine because they also published and not developed, they didn't develop, but published a couple of games, including Brian Lara Cricket and Jonah Lomu Rugby, uh, which is a fan favourite here. So having those two... I would argue that that game has had as many requests as any other. Probably because we're a rugby town, which goes a long yeah, way yeah. as well. But right? it, it, that town. game comes on so much here. Uh, and and it's, it's just that sweet spot of like... If you were to draw like a a Venn diagram, there's like a certain age group that like rugby that also like that game that come here. Uh, anyway, we digress. But that game, those two licenses are very popular licenses, and I can imagine they've got a few others that they own as well, including Dizzy and Micro Machines. So yeah. you know, you can that see that's, that's yeah. There's there's a four or five remasters there. Just wait to happen. This is the the era of the remaster, right? I mean. I mean, it's, you know, you said earlier about the kind of erosion of the games industry as well in, in the kind of UK, and it is scary. Like, so I always hold them in very high, like Codemaster specifically, like that logo in that same era, like I said, for me, PS1 and PS2. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then one of the other big no- names that I remember from there is always Psygnosis. And like, oh, yeah. this huge studio that produced such good stuff. And oh, yeah. they're gone now. And there's a the few- Lemmings license. They were the, they were the, they published Lemmings or made Lemmings. Uh, that was DMA Design. Sorry, no, no, no. Was that DMA Design? What did Psychosis do? I'm thinking of uh, Wipeout. Wipeout. Yeah, as in not yeah. Lemmings. Wipeout. Yeah. So that yeah. was. That, I think that was. I think it was Sony Interactive Entertainment, right? So it yeah. was the or SIE. They had that brand and they still use Wipeout, mm-hmm. but Psychosis is gone. You know, yeah. they, these big companies have no. They have no qualms with shutting a company down like this yeah. if they need to, right? And so you hope that things go well and that it's not just a grab at the IP that they've got tucked away. And, you know, mm. dirt seems to be everywhere. You know, it's out now and I keep seeing it everywhere. So it mm. obviously goes a long way and it travels pretty well. So who it, knows? It isn't finalised, though. The deal isn't officially made. It's just a possible sale at the moment. But usually when they announce these things at that stage for that money, it's probably a dead cert, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. 
you know, if they valued it at, at that much, they're not I mean, going to have any. Their shareholders will say, "Yeah, I'm taking yeah. that. I, I want my money." Yeah, who's going to be sit there, sitting there saying no? Yeah, I I have concerns over the integ- integrity of the UK games industry. No, they're gonna they're gonna sell it. Of course yeah. they would. Why wouldn't they? Exactly. Um, and you know, it, it could be good. You know, I guess. I mean, if I think in take two, I'm just gonna have a look. In terms of, do they have any? Cool. So when you're talking Take Two, you're talking Bioshock, Borderlands, Civilization, no, GTA, Mafia, might. Max Payne, NBA, two uh, WWE games, Red Dead. There isn't really a motorsport IP there, from what I, mean, I can see. I think that's one of the things they said said in the art in their it's, statement. You know, that we just filling need... filling that gap in their catalog, right? Oh. It makes sense. Yep, makes total sense. So. Uh, yeah, it could be good for them. They could just literally be saying, "Cool, we we want you know two or three different kinds of motorsport games out of you every couple of years," and it, mm. it could be good. Mm. What could that mean for games like GTA, where you suddenly go, "Well, we've got this new team. They do super realistic driving games. You like GTA driving's fun, but that ain't it, son. Like <laughs> it's not the yeah, same yeah. thing as a Formula One sim, right?" Uh, but yeah, 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 you know, it's you hope that it's a good thing. If nothing else, it should be a good thing for for the people that work there, and suddenly having a whole other level of stability and and comfort theoretically under a kind of big banner. So definitely. And then the sad one, it is sad, and I I worry that it's going to get sadder. Um, is Sega? So Sega has sold off. It's arcade business, so the kind of physical arcade, uh, arcade machines, cabinets, pachinko machines, so on. That's all been sold um, to make up for essentially what they're saying is, is losses during the pandemic, uh, mm-hmm. the coronavirus pandemic and things. Uh, they've also had to let uh, about 650 staff members go as well. Well, I think they've offered them volunteer, uh, volunteer redundancy, right? Yeah. Is what's been offered. With It seems like a relatively, not unreasonable, but a relatively reasonable redundancy package and stuff so there's something there um tough times for sega though yeah i think uh we'll probably delve into this more a bit in a shortly for our arcade uh, for our arcade for our <laughs> for our talking point uh, I, yeah. I had an arcade in the brain um do you know if i i think back on the times you go to an arcade and the machines that you would see and stand out and the ones that you play tend to be to, in my head tend to be the Sega titles right you, you think of yeah. like the big racing machine with your Daytonas and your Sega rallies Sega you know, rallies and stuff yeah the, you know that kind of thing it's just like uh, and anyway I, I don't know I, it's um, it kind of feels inevitable uh, I don't think it's the end of Sega as a as a brand but no. the arcade no. business is I, I, I don't know what the structure is of Sega, but I feel like um, the the I can imagine this much like PlayStation carried Sony. I wonder whether the Sega software side, the games that they were publishing, was carrying yeah. the arcade business. And this yeah. is kind of now the knock-on effect. We've lost physical ability to put arcade machines out and about in the world. Uh, and the knock-on effect on that is all the support that we've put in from the software side means that that's why there's 650 people going on there as well. Uh, yeah, I think I mean, I think Sega to a lot of people as well. They're they're a video game publisher at this point, right? They're a third party. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's how a lot of us think of them, and I think it's easy for us to forget, especially here 
in the West, in the UK, in the US, in the US, or if you kind of, you know, across Europe, the, the arcade culture here isn't the same as it is over in Japan, right? Like, you still got companies like Konami and, and even, you know, like Konami still churning out money in the arcades across Japan. But Japan have been very strict and very controlled in how they've managed their situation, from what mm -hmm, I understand, mm -hmm. um, around kind of COVID-19 and stuff. So, yeah, they're not going to be making any money. And I guess the biggest struggle is those machines aren't easy to maintain either. So you've got the maintenance cost that comes with them as well at the same time. And that business just isn't going to be there. And I feel like a big part of it will have been up until now going, well, it's a decent little side earner. You know, it's a, it's a decent way to keep the brand active across Japan as well. Absolutely. We're in people's eyes. And yeah, yeah. in the wake of everything that's happening, when no one's looking and no one's playing, it, it makes no sense. You know, there's probably a huge chunk of assets there that they can turn around and say, look, we need to streamline what Sega as a video game entity looks like over the next few years. And that will be Sega Publishing, that will be um, things like the Yakuza games and stuff, which obviously make a huge amount of money for them and are massively popular and all these different areas of Sega in mainline gaming. Mm. It's them going, we need to streamline this, we need to get this right. You know, it's definitely worth saying, and this does happen, I think, more frequently in Japan than, or I hear it happening more frequently in Japan than I do in this country, but a lot of the bosses have taken a voluntary pay cut with it as well. So they've sold a big chunk of the business, they've let a bunch of people go, and the bosses have gone cool we're also going to take a massive pay cut, and I don't think they're taking bonuses either. Let me just double-check so. that. Yeah, I think they've waived their businesses, or they've been told that there aren't any businesses coming. Uh, bonuses, sorry, coming. But So, you know, it, it's. I think it's a, a sign of hopefully something a little bit better. They're not sitting there going, we'll figure out what happens. They're actively thinking, we need to work out what the next you know, sort of five, ten years look for us. How do we keep this afloat? They're not... You know, it, it's easy to... To think, oh well, it's like the headshot guys, right? Like they, you know, what what have they been doing? But if I if I just scroll to the bottom of this here, and I just look at what we've got now, so in terms of games that they're publishing and they're putting out, you've got Yakuza Like a Dragon, which is going to be a huge game launching on. I think technically is the only game that's going to be there, like a new game to launch the Xbox Series X. That and maybe Assassin's Creed, mm. uh, Football Manager, which obviously makes a whole bunch of money. Uh, the Puyo Puyo Tetris games, which yeah, <laughs> like. They just, Puyo they Puyo sell. machines, yeah, like the Puyo Puyo machines in themselves across Japan must have made a whole bunch of money, so they must be sad to be seeing them going. Um, Shimagami Tensei games, so um, that that also then includes things like Persona, Persona Five being a absolutely massive game for PS4, mm. which is no doubt now we're going to see a second wind because that's also going to be packaged into the um, PlayStation Collection thing that of you're going to get is, yeah, PS5. Yeah, yeah. So you know, like they've they've got enough there. You know, they're still doing really great work. And it's probably just trimming off the fat and making sure that the company is well, as lean and as flexible as possible. I do want to add here. So um, the there's, there is a Sega Amusements subdivision of Sega in Cardiff, based in Cardiff. Um, one of our volunteers has, and also podcast uh, guests, Matt, uh, works at Sega Amusements. Um, from what I understand, structurally, they're, they're still they're still running, I believe. They haven't been sold off because they're not part of the Sega arcade business, but they do, they are involved in the production, development, and distribution and support of amusement games and merchandise. So, uh, I'm still, you know, we're not seeing the complete end of Sega's hardware business yeah. at the moment, as it stands. That's Things may change. Um, I'm not sure how they differ to the main international. Well, they're international as well. Uh, so obviously, this is a company that has got a lot of 
structure and a complicate a complex uh, a complex organized hierarchy I should say um, because you know we got Sega Europe Sega Japan Sega worldwide yeah. and then you've got all the subdivisions under those so I imagine this falls under Sega Europe I guess or is it, is it only the thing? I don't know um, it's uh, it is worth noting though that it's not a complete complete end um, but I don't imagine these guys get involved in your big titles like your um, you know your Daytona arcade machines and that lot uh, I don't know we'll, we'll talk more about this in a minute um, I'm sure uh, yeah it's uh, it's also worth saying that they've just sold their business so the arcade business and it is it's a Japanese amusement business and it's been sold to another company called Gender or Gender. I don't know how it's pronounced. Yeah, Gender. Gender. So, uh, yeah, I guess they'll keep going in some form. I wonder, you know, I do wonder whether or not, because as I understand it, you kind of, you often hire these machines for an arcade, right? If you're running an arcade or a venue, you hire them. And they, they, they come and collect mm-hmm. accordingly and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I suppose even if they are selling it off, it doesn't change the fact that there's still going to be venues all over their region that are sitting there going, well, you still owe us support. That's what we bought into, right? Mm-hmm. Like There's still obligations there to be fulfilled. So you know, I can't imagine it's going to go overnight, but it, it feels sad. But all things considered, you know, I, I think it's probably going to be good for Sega in the grand scheme of things. Sega still have a lot going on. Um, I think, if anything, Sega will probably come through that rougher patch and they're on the other side of it going into this generation, you know? Yeah, I hope so. hope so. Yeah. Um, And I think that's it for the news this week. Um, There's probably all kinds of other news. There always is, isn't there? There There always is. is. There's always something, yeah. But um, I guess the next week's news is a lot of it's going to be kind of covering a lot of the responses and, and initial news coming out around Xbox and whatever happens around that hopefully machines aren't exploding in people's bedrooms and stuff and we don't have to cover anything like that um it sounds like it's going to be fine i think it's going to be fine it'll be fine it'll be fine uh but that's the end of the news um so uh with that we're going to go into um uh not new new but new still new uh segment um so we're going to go over to scott for his tales from the tabletop Good evening, folks. Welcome to Scott's Tales from the Tabletop. Uh, This is the second edition, uh, and I'd like to start off this second edition by saying a huge thank you to everybody who's reached out and has given some fantastic uh, comments and some really, really good things to read. Um, It's great to hear from you all, and if there's anything you'd like to see in the content, or there's anything you think we've done particularly well or really badly, then by all means, uh, give us a shout. Um, If there's also anything you'd like to see that's come out in the Kickstarter world, or anything to do with different aspects of uh, tabletop wargaming, roleplay gaming, console gaming or board gaming, including card gaming as well, please give us a shout and we will do our utmost to, to at least include a couple of lines or try and include a shout out or something to on and everything that you raise with us. Um, first, a couple of shout outs to the evening. Uh, thank you to anyone who followed uh, Dill over on DLCH. Um, fantastic, uh, you know, fantastic content Dill's turning out at the moment, looking some really good stuff. Um, a huge shout out and a huge thank you to the guys over at Warlord Games. 
Um, they have recently sent us over a copy of the Bolt Action Second Edition rulebook, some dice in a dice bag, and a uh, starter set for us to here at the Arcade Vaults for Tales of the Tabletop to start doing some unboxing videos and some how to play videos. I'm ready for when things are settled down in the new year to potentially look to start doing some live play or some organised events. Um, which for us is a fantastic step to try and sort of complete the set of the community rooms at uh, at the Arcade Vaults um, and also just to open that out to everybody in, in sort of the local community as well. Um, also a huge shout out off the back of that to the guys over at Local Battle Mats as well. They've sent us some fantastic battle mats that's left over from their Kickstarter range and also some, some new and improved battle mats ready for our Star Wars Legion videos as well, um, which is fantastic. Um, anyone that wants to check them out, head over to local battle mats and see what see what's available. Fantastic quality neoprene battle mats. Um, you certainly won't miss out. Um, in terms of news and reviews for this week, um, there's been some uh, significant movement in the tabletop wargaming world that I've seen. Um, something that I personally are quite excited about on the 14th of November. We're looking at a Games Workshop release for Age of Sigmar. Yes, I hear the world grow in its Age of Sigmar. It's not, it's not the old school Warhammer fantasy with movement trays and all that sort of stuff. If that's what you're looking for, then have a little shout out to the guys at Ninth Age. Um, and hang on for the old world from Games Workshop themselves as well and see if that's what you want. If you want to start getting those movement angle tools out and roll in, you know, 60 dice for 30 miniatures, on you go, guys. Um, we'll see what happens. This is a, a couple of big releases this week. So first of all, we are looking at uh, the Morathi Broken Realms release. So the Broken Realms is Games Workshop's sort of first dip into the toe, if dipping the toe in the water, if you like, of actual campaign books. So this is, uh, and forgive me, I'm just flicking through some notes, but this is a part campaign book, part codex, part battle tome. It seems to be a melting pot of everything. Um, it is going to give you some rules for Marathi and the Daughters of King, who are due an update. Uh, some of you in the wider gaming world may know them as witch elves. Um, it's also going to give you some new rules for your cities of Sigmar, bringing into fa bringing into account the Dark Elf faction um, as Harkuron and also the Anvil Guard as well that have now been annexed into the cities of Sigmar. It's going to bring you some rules for Stormkeep. Uh, and some liberators and human auxiliaries, some fantastic stuff. I think the main things to see are that there are some updated war scrolls for Cities of Sigmar, Stormcast Eternals, Daughters of Cain, Slaves to Darkness. Um, big part of this campaign is also the fact that the, the Daughters of Cain face off against the Head Knights of Slanesh, which, as we know, is, you know, demonettes and all that sort of stuff. Um, and there's also a bit of a, an update here for the uh, Adonis Deepkin, which I think a lot of the Deepkin community is pretty excited about, because we're now starting to get some monstrous mount traits and a few bits of customization for those Fangmora eels and and all the all the cool beasts that you know the, the Kelian Leviathans and things that the Deepkin rise into battle. Um, fantastic work to look at. Um, some some cool new stuff to come out with that. In terms of models for this week, uh, definitely worth having a little look at the um, the new box, the new giant box set that's coming out called Shadow and Pain. If you're interested in starting either a Deepkin, uh, not a Deepkin, sorry, either a uh, Daughters of Cain or a Head of Knights of Sinesh army, I don't think you can go too far wrong with this. 
As always, it's an Age of Sigmar starter box. It comes with the core rule set, the Shadow and Pain supplement book, and also enough decent-sized miniatures to do a, a fairly relatively well-sized force for each of the two factions, which is uh, fantastic. Definitely worth something to look at. As always, just another subtle shout-out. Keep an eye out for uh, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything due to release from Wizards of the Coast on the 17th of November. You know, all things being well, you know, it should be releasing then. It's already up for pre-order and the content's been released on D&D Beyond for anyone that's interested. Definitely dip over to there and have a look at a pre-order. Um, you know, the content looks fantastic, as I said in my last video. Definitely something that's worth a watch. Um, just following on from that, actually, it's probably a really good point that I pick this up from here. So in terms of D&D, myself and the D&D team at the Arcade Vaults are going to be trying... We're going to be reopening our face-to-face -face events. Now, I know that there's probably a bit, of, a bit of a hesitation from the wider community with the new rules for the COVID-19 firebreak uh, and the restrictions that have been pl placed in South Wales. We are now feeling confident that we are going to be able to reopen our face-to-face -face events. So we are looking at having the first of these events on the 5th of December. All right, we're going to be looking at running the two sessions. Uh, one session in the morning from 12 until 4. Uh, we're going to then be having uh, an hour's break, which will give us DMs chance to have some food and to do some sanitization and some clean down. And then we'll be looking to pick up the second session then, which is going to be from 5pm until 9pm. A uh, few things with this, guys. Okay. Um, if you're thinking of booking a ticket, the tickets will be available on the website and the event's going to be published shortly. Okay. Um, we will... Where, where you have to be expecting people to wear face masks and coverings where possible. We'll also be expecting people to uh, wear face shields. It will be a BYOD, so bring your own dice. And it will also be a case of bring your own gaming aids as well. That's where we'll be opening this up for whichever ticket that you purchase to um, get you contact with the GM prior to the event so that we can help you to work on characters and get you the relevant source material so that you can bring the character pre-made to the session and it doesn't eat too much time into your session itself. So I thought that what we would do is give you a bit of a sneak peek uh, as part of our podcast this week of the scenarios that are going to be opening up. So we're going to start off with uh, Genebeth's scenario this week, okay? Um, and this is uh, Hear Ye, Hear Ye. The Gauntlet of Challenge has been thrown down. The Princess of Eldest Ed Edelstein has deemed she is old enough to consider a suitor for her hand in marriage. The ancient challenge of the ruling house of Edelstein has been laid down. The diamonds of rule are scattered within the wild and untamed lands of Edelstein, waiting to be found. Gather your supplies, don your armour and sharpen your swords. Are you ready to compete for Edelstein and the hand of Princess Arabella? Um, having seen a little bit of this adventure, it's one I'm particularly excited for. Um, slightly jealous that I'm actually running an event this weekend, as well as I probably would have purchased a ticket for this one myself. Um, but it's going to be a wonderful adventure. As always, tickets will be available shortly when the event goes up online, and we'll signpost that as part of the podcast when we're ready. Uh, following on from that then, here is mine. So the bell... The bells ring as the criers shout among the busy streets. The king's most prized possession has been stolen from within its hold, and all that has been left is a single wooden token bearing the symbol of a serpent's eye. The calling card of a notorious of the notorious Revenant Fangs, a group of bandits and thieves alike. 
The king in his grief has gladly promised riches uh, and land for those who can return his prized dragon egg and, of course, the head of the leader of the Revenant Fangs. Um, not everyone has the stomach for such a job, but you, adventurer, may just be what the king needs uh, as the keep of the Revenant Fangs lays beyond the deep wood where not many dare to tread. Dare you, adventurer? Um, something that I'm looking forward to. Uh, I think an element of the grimdark in this, for anyone who's interested in you know picking up that setting, um, a little bit of a realistic adventure with some fantastic maps and something that I'm pretty keen to enjoy. And then finally, we have uh, Tasha's Trials of the Night King. So legend has it that a priceless artifact of immense power lies somewhere in the tomb of the Night King. Locked behind grueling trials of strength and wit, dare you prove your worth and claim the lost power for yourselves. Short, sweet, incredibly enticing um, and definitely something worth playing if anybody is interested uh, please give us a shout you can reach out to us through the arcade vault social media um, once the event is posted up we'll be setting up a discussion section so feel free to ask us questions there about what if, what the event's going to look like any health and safety restrictions any covid restrictions you'd like us to put in place or any suggestions you might have um, as always, folks, just as a caveat, whilst we are endeavouring to open our face-to-face -face event here, I think it's worthwhile noting that we will have backup online streaming platforms available just in case the situation changes and we aren't able to run a face-to-face -face event. And as always, just to reassure everybody, we do subscribe to the uh, NHS Track and Trace, but also the Yoello City of Arcades uh, Track and Trace app as well so everyone will be kept as safe as possible and as always if we've got any safety concerns you as our you know you as the community are first and foremost we will make sure that we take them all on board um just to round it off there folks then uh, i hope you have a wonderful evening and i'll hand back to chris for him to pick up from here thank you very much good night thank you scott always quality stuff right scott's the man he is the man he's the man <laughs> Awesome. Um, we will be back with uh, another tale from the tabletop, I'm sure, from Scott next week. Um, so, we've touched on it already, but we'll go into our next segment a little bit. So, uh, Chris, I think you're going to take us into our talking point from the week. Yeah, so... Um... Uh, we obviously seen the, just talked about it. Um, so nicely slate segueing. We, we're all about the segue here. <laughs> nice, uh, and easy. nice and easy. Nice and easy. Uh, we want to talk about Sega, uh, and not just Sega, but given what the arcade vaults is as a business and other places like it, where does the world of the arcade business go from here? See, Sega's news is isn't surprising in terms of the arcade side of it. Um, you know the arcades can't open uh, around the world you know we as the, the arcade vaults when we first set up I mean the fact that the name says it all really we, we're called the arcade vaults because originally there was going to be more there were going to be more arcade machines in our venue um, that didn't quite work out for various reasons but that actually might be in our, in our favour now because um, it's hard for arcade businesses to trade so uh you know, if Sega isn't making arcade new arcade machines anymore, and their other companies aren't making new arcade machines anymore, does an existing 
just to, let's take us out of it. Does an existing business that has arcade machines in it, how are they going to go, go survive going forward? Are they going to survive? Are they going to exist anymore? Think about when you go to the seaside in, in the UK anyway, and you have those amusement arcades with your, with your penny machines, but there are arcade machines still in there, you know, your bowling alleys. It's a very British tradition. And they're not going to be here anymore? I don't know. It's a, it's a post-COVID world it's going to be next year. Will it recover? Or are we just, is this just a blip? Is it just going to pass and we just go back to normal? I think it's a really interesting question, right? I think yeah. the one thing that you don't want is for just the future of arcades in the UK and globally to just be... You know that shot of Flynn's arcade in Tron at the start? Oh, yeah. It's all like oh, decrepit God. and falling apart. Oh, that's heartbreaking. That, that. Like, no. You don't want that. Um, the first thing that I do is, like I said, I, when I'm not dealing with video game stuff, I you know, have a background in, in film and I work in cinemas and stuff. And that's that's what I spent most of my student years doing was making films and watching films there. And there's elements of cinemas that are there. Your big chains and stuff are still there. But a lot of the cinemas that I grew up going to watch films in, they're gone now. You know, I'm relatively yeah. sure the one that I probably spent more time than anywhere else was a cinema called the Coliseum in, in a town called Portomatic near me. Uh, that's, I think it's gone completely now because um, mm-hmm. they opened a Tesco over the road. So everyone that went to watch films there, you weren't making films on cinema tickets and everyone was going to get their sweets and their confectionery from Tesco. So it doesn't exist. And, and that's what you don't want to see happening. And I think for a lot of mm-hmm. arcades, it's probably what's already happened so far. Yeah, that makes sense. And so I think the traditional arcade, when I say you don't want them all to end up looking like Flynn's from Tron, I think a lot of them probably do look like Flynn's at this point. So is there, you know, I look at kind of what we're doing. I look at what the guys at Loading Bar in London are doing. I think about the the arcade guys up in, you know, Arcade up in Glasgow and, mm. and the way that they're doing things. And even, you know, to give credit where it's due, um, Game, as, as a company of dynamically changed and go well you know they're not a retro arcade they're not a a super public facing arcade venue but mm. belong is trying really hard to kind of give people a place to go and play games in a very specific way they're a bit more esports focused and a bit more competitive focused and you know they want that hardcore market but mm. there are companies trying and there are people trying as we're trying as well to try and do things differently i think that's probably what it looks what it looks like and i think a lot of those old arcade machines it'll be people like us kind of going can we make room for them? Like, you really want to make room for them, right? Well, it's interesting because you name drop a few places and, um, you know, there's there's, cool, there's a little nice little community of uh, these kind of arcades across the UK that we're sort of all banding together under these hard times, you know. Um, the one that really springs to mind for me in terms of arcade machines is the Heart of Gaming in London, which has been around for a while. There's also um, Arcade Club, which has a, a venue in... But um, Barry, Burry, Burry, Barry, Barry, B-U-R-Y, Barry, Barry. It sounds weird when you, when you say it out loud. It sounds <laughs> like you should say Barry, but it's not Barry. It's but anyway. We're there, and they've got another one in Leeds, and I believe they were op- pre pre COVID. They were opening a third one in in COVID. They've got hundreds of arcade machines. These those three those 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 you know those two places stick out in my mind i think there's a couple of others around as well but they they're like almost all about the arcade machines but they're not about new arcade machines they're about old arcade machines that yeah, they've the refurbed and got hold of they there are some new ones in there but i don't think they're getting them directly from sega or directly from any other arcade manufacturer i don't do capcom still make arcade machines 
do you know? I don't know. Do they still oh, have an sure, arcade? Yeah. Now? Or do they license yeah. things like do Street Fighter license? out to an arcade manufacturer? I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so, so the model for all the businesses that I know that are running arcades are either all the old style arcade machines like that, or a mixture of arcades and consoles like us, or mostly just consoles and retro gaming stuff and i don't think anyone really subscribes to getting those new machines from the the console manufacturer uh, the arcade manufacturers unless you're like a bowling alley or a cinema or you know there's places where they have very small sections for entertaining so if those places aren't getting the arcade machines directly from the manufacturers and we're not getting them directly from the manufacturers then there's going to be no arcade machines made anymore we'll get to 10 years time and we're still relying on hardware from 30 years ago it's there's going to be a finite life on the, on yeah, the arcade where, business you know, isn't where it are you i mean gonna get, where are you going to get the right components from and stuff like that afterwards yeah. if they do go how are you going to repair them you know we know from experience you you crack open some of these machines you go cool i know what's going on here but you open up some of them and you're like oh, what on earth am i looking at you know that arcade mm. machine that we've got is it's great it's a, you know the one that's in the shop is an incredible bit of yeah hardware but then you you open the back you look inside and you 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 probably have a better idea of what you're looking at for me for me i'm like what on earth am i seeing you know um yeah I, i'm very lucky with that machine that's uh thanks to uh jeff uh he's uh kindly lent us that machine uh, loaned us that machine uh the problem with that you know that machine is just about the right era the way you can still people are still making the buttons and the switches yeah. the board goes that's beyond my skill set but yeah that that you know like when you think about buttons and actual physical hardware you can easily you can get kits these days to build cabinets and stuff but it's the games themselves right yeah you, you know they have dedicated boards in them the old ones so yeah there are there are people who can fix them there are people out there who's like they're engineer it's basically electrical engineering that's what it is it yeah. isn't computer programming it isn't building a pc they are electrical engineers they can get their soldering irons out and their oscilloscopes and they're measuring stuff and yeah. they're getting these things but that's again it's going to be a finite life but yeah. like this is you know how, how long have i been talking to you right pretty much ever since we've done it so we've got all of our crts and stuff in the arcade that we you know we yeah. try and make sure that if we're playing a game from a generation then we have a screen that goes with it and and god knows if you get that wrong the smash players will, will let you know about it <laughs> <laughs> you know if, if, if the refresh rates aren't right on the screen then they know um but like i've, I've always said that a lot of them are, are old and if you have modern homes and you don't want a big old chunky crt it's bizarre to me that there is no way to go and get like so we talked about analog last week right the company that are going out their way to make like the analog kind of handheld and mm -hmm. uh, uh it was all the kind of cd based right and all the windows based stuff that they were running now like they're going out of the way to make new hardware that will run these older things it's crazy to me that there's no one doing that with crts where i can't go and say it's probably going to cost me more than a 4k tv but i can get a nice bespoke crt with multiple scars and inputs and i can switch between it nobody does that and mm. there's also nobody doing that for CRTs. Uh, sorry, uh, for arcade machines arcade either. Machine. No. Like you can, like you said, there's there's ways that you can go. You know, yeah, like we yeah. and we won't ever point fingers, but like we we know venues where we are, and there are venues all over the country where they run what to a, to somebody who isn't in on it looks like an arcade machine, and we'll sit down. And we go, it's great that people can still come and play like a Mortal Kombat or an NBA Jam, but once we put our hands in it, you're like. The screen isn't right because it's an LCD, yeah. and the buttons aren't right because there's lag, and it's it's a DIY one. You can DIY yeah. it, but 
these machines at, at what they were, you know? There's some machines that you just can't really even deal while you think about your dance dance um, games. Yeah. Like, that's that's also a huge part of Japanese culture, those games, right? That's insane, Japanese, like the dance, idea dance revolution. Akibahara, is it Akibahara in Japan, where you've got the kind of, like, huge kind of section of Japan where it's all kind of video games and anime and that kind yeah, of culture. Yeah, you've got yeah, all the yeah. old arcades and stuff. Yeah. Like, the culture there is huge. Like, I'd, I'd love to... I would want to do it, but I'd love to read something from someone who wants to do it that really digs into, like, how has video games exploded the way that it has globally, but it's only in this one region that, you know, like, arcades I have really stuck it. around and exploded. Because yeah. I know, like, a thing with, like I said, you know, Belong are doing what they do now with kind of high-end kind of gaming PCs and stuff, like mm-hmm. competitive things. That's something that's only started cropping up here recently, but that's been a a culture and a lifestyle across I know South Korea in particular it's a huge yeah, thing there it's huge you know it's thing, why yeah. games like League of Legends and Dota have exploded in that region it's because kids would just get together and instead of going to the park or going to the cinema they'd go to these gaming hubs and they'd get you know like they'd get their energy drinks and they'd sit there and they'd hang out and they'd play these games I, I have wondered actually because you know when researching putting the plan together for the arcade vaults there weren't many venues around and it does seem like suddenly we've all all, you know all the different venues around the UK. We finally found the right model, the just the right balance and the right timing of work. Because I wonder whether the reason arcades kind of died out is because we in the UK anyway had, and the West maybe generally had such success with home consoles. You know we had we've had arguably since about the PS2 onwards have had some really strong generations of gaming. Uh, come along and kind of slowly eroded the the need to go to the arcade um but then those machines are also available in 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 in, in asian countries i don't know it's kind of interesting that the the resurgence of the arcade in america as well is quite important here because i know that they've start they've the, the way to remodel there is also based around arcade machines you know you have a whole chain of places called barcade such a great name which i thought yeah. of <laughs> but they you know they focus on your on the on the arcade all the old old arcade machines but also they go for that lean into the whole bar side of it and make it really kind of like let's go for all the crafty beers and like really yeah. kind of you know real real hipster stuff real hipster stuff <laughs> and so it, it works for them um and uh it, it's helped helped in the resurgence of the arcade over there. So again, what happens to those places in ten years' time? Uh, are, are we all basically running on a finite model? Yeah, uh, borrow uh, time. A borrowed time. I, I don't think so. If you know, if you take into account consoles and PCs like and esports in general, there there are ways to adapt. But if you're just solely an arcade business and an arcade machine business, I can't. We got to worry. I think. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I always um, think about you know the, we we're relatively relaxed with how we kind of put our machines off, and the idea is you can sit down at machines that are familiar, you can play them like you played them in your room like 10, 15 years ago, right? Yeah. But even then, we've talked before about uh, like money being no object. You can kind of box that off, right? And you can almost like you know the kind of display areas that you had for consoles and game shops where you'd go in and there'd be the screen and then the oh, yeah, controller yeah. be sticking out Sticked and you kind out. of yeah, hold yeah, yeah. it and it would always be really gross because everyone's just had their hands all over it and in a post-covid world that seems more disgusting i know i was gonna say post-covid everything (laughs) seems more disgusting when you have to touch it right i mean but you know like that's cool like what the the spirit and idea of what an arcade machine is you could do with any machine theoretically if you had the Mm. the kind of diy skills i suppose yeah 
And yeah, I, I don't know. I, I suppose it's it makes me think whether or not there's a cultural thing to it as well, where I don't know. Like, so take it like D and D for example. Like, we know that D and D is is hugely popular. Like, we've just had Scott, who's, who's been talking about you know, like he's he's so ingrained in that world. And as soon as we opened, that was something that we had people come in and asking us about more than anything. Is oh, do you guys do D and D stuff as well? And we're like. Should should mm. should we? Maybe, <laughs> uh, we should. We should. Yeah, right. And, and that's and, yeah. And we, and yeah. the beauty of you know, like Scott and everyone else that comes and kind of sets up D and D. Like it's great having a hub for people who love that. And then you think, well, that happened, but then Stranger Thing happened, and all these Man, other kind yeah. of throwback shows where all of a sudden it's become popular. Like I threw out Flynn's Arcade. We haven't had a good Tron movie in years. <laughs> <laughs> well, since the eighties, surely. I mean, there was only yeah, one Tron movie, wasn't it? Yeah. What, what last one? There was there was only one Tron movie. There wasn't. There was no second Tron movie. What are you on about? Oh, okay, cool. We just we just go with that. Okay, yeah. There was <laughs> yeah, nothing else. There was there yeah. was there was only there was one Tron movie, and that is it. Yeah, poor no, Jeff. I'd... It doesn't sound like Jeff Bridges is doing too well either, does it? Bless him. So oh, what's other Jeff? Oh, oh Jeff? Sorry. he was diagnosed with I can't remember what cancer, but some kind of cancer. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's not very well. Bless him. But you know, like that. I guess Wreck It Ralph to an extent. Like actually, yeah, Wreck-It Ralph Wreck-It. is the best example, I suppose. Right? If if something was going to catch people's imagination and drive them back to arcades, it'd be something like Wreck-It Ralph, you'd think, yeah. right? Yeah, Wreck-It Ralph actually, I think, was bizarrely quite helpful in that world. Uh, there's a high schools documentary, uh, high school yeah. documentary on Netflix. I know that's not again specifically about arcades, but that do you know what it what the key the key element of it is? It's the social aspect, right? That's why people go to arcades. And uh, COVID clearly demonstrates that's not possible when we haven't got, um, you know, a uh, uh, the ability to be social. So, um, uh, and maybe that's that's a thing that's starting to come back into the UK gaming scene and the West gaming scene. People want to be more social, pre, you know, before yeah. COVID. People wanted to be more social and go and play games with their friends and have a drink and whatever. So maybe maybe this isn't the end. I don't know. Maybe, you know, we say we say. It's like you were saying earlier. You know, someone will come in uh, with a product that with if there's a gap in the market. So if in a year's or two's time, and we're all in a, back in a nice situation, um, and the demand for arcades skyrockets, and people want machines, but they want authentic experiences, well, maybe the people start manufacturing. There are manufacturers of the uh, arcade machine kits, and and there are people who make arcade machine cabs with specific designs on them. So. You know, it's just it's just original content. That's what we're going to be looking for. And this is the original games that are designed specifically for arcades. You know, um, that's what yeah, we're well, going to back. I guess the other thing, as soon as everyone's, you know, the technology we have in our pockets are so powerful now. Mm. How do you justify putting something just in an arcade? Yeah, you know, you've got to go to that location to play it. I, I suppose you know we talked earlier about Pokemon Go. Like, we now have the ability to go cool. If you want that Pokemon gym, like you've got to come and hang out with us. Mm-hmm. And that in, in theory should work, right? Like it's those kind of events, and I do think it's it's probably more of a hybrid thing. You know, we've always been quite dynamic with the way that we do business, and we try and do different things. And you know, like the D and D guys are here, and we've done food and drink, and we we try and keep things quite flexible and quite dynamic, right? Yeah. I do wonder as well when you say about the kind of social aspect in a sort of post Twitch, post Discord world where people have we've always known that video games is it's a sociable kind of thing right like you inevitably want to play with your friends the best thing about playing video games is going a bit like movies it's, it's going to watch a movie on your own and then sitting down with a friend afterwards and talking about it like that's that's fun so maybe that's the other thing is it's, it's 
getting people to kind of step away from those platforms and do that kind of stuff in real life, which I guess is the crux of what we're trying to do. Yeah, yeah. And in theory, then you can then go, cool, look at this new machine we've got. And inevitably, people will go, oh my God, that's new. Which is what they would have been doing in the 80s, right? The first time yeah. they rolled in a Donkey Kong machine, people would have gone, oh my God, what is that? And they would have wandered over. Yeah. And maybe that's what the, the kind of, some kind of a future. And there'll be some. There'll be someone out there that's still sitting there going, "Oh no, I want to be able to to do a game that would only possibly run on one of those boards that you would have had in a in an arcade machine years ago." Yeah. You know, we had the chat with um, was it ZX Spectrum game that he started programming that he's just finished? The the game last week that was in the news. Oh, they did sequel, yeah. They just, yeah. yeah. You know, someone like that that will go, "No, no, I'll take on the challenge of doing of doing it on an arcade." Yeah, machine. you're right. Yeah. I guess there's always going to be someone who's going to be there to create something original, uh, something you know unique. Um, yeah. Well, last thing to say on it, there is definitely a market for it. Oh. So they they will they you know if you build it they will come. Yeah. No, it's it, the other way around. We're not Yeah. Yeah. If you build it, they will come. Yeah. And they will not <laughs> fall into the machine and end up getting wrapped into a weird frisbee game either. <laughs> That game is awesome. I'd love to play that in like the real world. Oh, it'd be well cool. Without dying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah without the death of it, yeah. yeah. Amazing. So where does the arcade business go from here? Wherever we want it to. Oh, we're like going that. wherever where we're oh. going, we don't need roads. We'll make our own oh. roads. We'll draw them ourselves. I like this positive outlook. Let's do that. Let's stick with that. <laughs> we'll move on without further ado. Uh to our uh, recommendations of the week and what we're playing. I'm going to let you kick us off because I've yeah. played the game that you're playing and I'm very interested to find out what you think about it. Yeah, so um, we this has been brought up before accidentally because we had been talking about the Outer Worlds and we ended up talking about the Outer Wilds as well because their names are so similar. But uh, I finally got around to playing The Outer Wilds, and uh, I have to say, uh, now some, you've you can you talked about this, and uh, a friend of mine, Duncan, he was trying to get me uh, into it, and I was kind of like, okay, this is interesting, I'm intrigued, but okay, I'm holding off for a little bit, and I kind of I got into it now, and I tell you what, it's brilliant, I I love it. There is this game does not hold your hand in any way. You have to you've just figuring out things going on and I don't even know what you call it is it an, is it a puzzle game is it an exploring game is it a walking simulator is it a space sim is it what is it it's just amazing it's, it's great it is unlike anything else I've played for sure yeah. I so I, I played a bunch of it I was really impressed I struggled with it I'm, I, I'm struggling with it I am absolutely struggling with it not even from a difficult difficulty perspective so I had this weird thing when I was a kid right where uh, do you remember the Desert Storm games that were on Sega? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so we played those, and I used to play those with my dad when I was a kid. And when you were kind of going around and you were blowing stuff up and you were picking up, that was fine. But at the end, it would always say, "Cool, now you've got to go out to the to the the ship, right, to kind of land the flight carrier thing. I don't know what you yeah, call yeah. it. The helicarrier from Avengers. Yeah, I know the, the helicarrier. Like yeah. one, the boat version of those. The boat version, yeah. And you have to fly over that. And there was always this big patch where you're just flying over ocean. And that, as a kid, used to give me like major anxiety and used to make me really uncomfortable. And I don't know why. Okay. And there's bits in this game. And it ha- every now and again, I'll be playing something. Like uh, the first time that I played um, No Man's Sky, there's the first bit where you kind of leave the atmosphere of your first planet 
and you're just in space and there's just space in front of you and it get, I can feel this little tightening in my chest where I'm like oh this doesn't make me feel comfortable and I have to kind of adjust to it and adapt to it that happened with this game for me as well where the oh, first really? time you kind of take off I was like oh I don't really know what's going on but because the game is so weird and doesn't really help you and there's so many different atmospheres and there's the first time you get that big flash and it throws you That's back to where you are and then it's like I don't know what that is and it never explains what that is so nah. I also always know that's coming, which is an, a whole other level of anxiety. Yeah, yeah. And I just had to put it down. I was like, I can't, I can't. Fair enough. There's a weird anxiety thing that it does with me, and it doesn't give you room to kind of acclimate to it because it's by design so weird yeah. and so out there. Um, but what I played was incredible, and like it's a testament to the game that it's unlike anything that I've ever played. Right, and I've just yeah, heard people definitely. say good things about it. It, it's it's truly and you know you, there's a lot of games that don't follow a single narrative and you know arguably an open world this game is truly the the most non-linear game i've played i and that's a bit i'm struggling with because i just have to get my head around the fact that you can do things in this game in no particular order just to figure out what's going on and that's kind of the way the game wants you to play. And it's just something I have to get my head around and I'm struggling with it. But I'm getting there now. I'm feeling like I'm starting to shape together a story. And it's just yeah. really clever. It's really clever. It's a good game. I like it. And that's my recommendation of the week. And that is what I'm playing. Yeah, it's one that I think what I might do actually is because it's, it's one of those, like, even, like I said, I, I haven't finished it. I kind of put it down a while ago and never went back to it. But then people start talking about it so much and it's so revered that it's like great i've got to find a way to finish this game now mm. so it might be one where i just sit and i watch like a spoiler cast or something yeah of people be. just breaking it down for me and they go cool now i know what's going on i'll revisit that and see where we go from there you know mm. um cool so i'm gonna stick with space uh, okay. i think i mentioned earlier in the podcast so i finally found the time to sit down with um star wars squadrons Mm. So the the flight simulator game or flight simulator starfighter tie, simulator, tie fighters yeah tie fighters X-wings. and X wings and stuff um, it's really good what I've played I've enjoyed it mm-hmm. it's it's an odd one for me to process in my head so it's, okay. it's developed by so it's Motive and is it Criterion as well who are actually I think a lot of the guys that put this together I'm assuming are the same guys that put together. A lot of the flight combat stuff for the Star Wars Battlefront, Battlefront games. Yeah. Now that game launched terribly. I was working in video game retail when that came out, and I remember mm. thinking, it's worrying that a Star Wars film is in the cinemas, that a Star Wars game is in a shop, and we still have so many copies of this game lying around that we can't Ooh. sell. It's never a good sign. Never you know, it came sign, out yeah. to a lot of criticism because of microtransactions and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe about six seven months ago somebody was like you should jump in now like you should jump in and play it they've patched it they've gotten rid of a lot of the predatory stuff the loot crates in there are pretty much non-existent and unimportant when they do exist mm-hmm. and ultimately it's an incredible amount of resources and a really talented team that are making the game and it's unlike anything else right like okay. the sound effects the way that things look the maps it's unbelievable like the amount of detail nobody was ever questioning the quality of the game just everyone was quite upset with the practices i think and because I played so much of that, and you do have the Starfighter stuff in, in Battlefront as well, I am playing it a bit like, this is cool, but it's this could have just been a separate mode in Battlefront. To me, it mm. feels like sometimes. It's a little more fleshed out and a little deeper. Well, 
It's got a VR support, right? So it's definitely... I'm playing it on PC. Um, I started off playing it with mouse and keyboard. I couldn't really adjust to it. It was still a little bit weird. I ended up switching over, so I'm playing it with an Xbox controller on PC. Um, and it does like stink of a VR game. It's a game that would have been mind-blowing on VR, but is just pretty good without VR. Okay. Because um, even like when you're in your hubs and you're kind of on the... You know, you kind of launch ships and you're speaking to people it's still that VR sort of cool you look over there and there's a little thing and you, and you click it and you just sort of go over there you don't walk around and speak to people right well, that's VR um, so that's absolutely VR it, it was definitely I think it's a game that for better and for worse I suppose was probably developed for VR they looked at it and went this isn't just VR we can launch this as a standalone game and I mm. think it'll do really well um, and yeah like it does you know I'm, I'm really enjoying it it's really cool it's beautiful like it looks really good it's okay. Star Wars which Star Wars, always yeah. helps you know mm. um so yeah, I'm playing it. I I'm playing it on PC and I'm going through the EA Play Pro thing, so the 15 quid a month subscription thing. Um, I played okay. a few hours of FIFA and I played Star Wars Squadron. So if I cancel it before Christmas, then I've already made my money. I suppose I haven't had to buy those games separately. Um, but yeah, like it's it's fun. If you're a Star Wars fan, you're gonna like it. If you liked elements of the kind of um, dogfighting stuff in also if you like the dogfighting stuff in Battlefront yeah if you enjoy the kind of elements of that in the Battlefront uh, Battlefield games rather it's a mm. Star Wars version of that with a bit more okay. depth even little things like it does let you go in depth to the point where it's like right well you're trying to outmaneuver somebody so you need to switch your you need to switch your engines to refocus on on kind of flight or you can shift your focus you can, you can shift the power to shields or that's or very have, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter back in the day game. Yeah, 100%, which is exactly what it's trying to do, I think. You know, it's uh, this along with the Jedi, the last Jedi Fallen Order, whatever the last one was. Um, yeah, It's another one. decent effort from a clearly talented team with a lot of money. It's also very obviously EA going, please don't let us keep Star Wars. Um, we uh, we'll, stay we'll be safe as well. We'll be better. You know, it's also a bit stay safe as well, isn't it? They're, safe, they're, oh, they're staying. They're staying safe, safe and they're looking for goodwill. You know, mm. like it's when Battlefront came out. I think everybody, everybody remembers talking about how bad that game was. But like, mm. there were people from Disney, like high up in Disney, calling up EA and being like, "You've got to stop! Like you're ruining the reputation of a hugely lucrative IP. You've got to stop." It looked for a little while like Disney were just going to pull the IP completely because they were saying like, "You having this IP." Is yeah. damaging to the yeah, IP, yeah. so no. So you know they're they're healing, I suppose. They're, they're picking it up. Uh, Jedi Fallen Order thingy was a really cool game with lightsabers. This is a really cool game with, with spaceships. Can't it's fun. That. It's fun. Let's just don't get me wrong. I I still hope that the IP goes back to Disney and they do something smarter with it. But yeah, that, you know that's, they what, did that's that. what you want. You want to, I want something. You want something smart with these games, and they're not. They're just safe, and it's kind of like, all right, you know, the VR aspect I think interests me. But mm. anyway, it's hard to work out what to do with them, right? Because mm. I mean, you get this where they're solid games. You know, these these are solid. They're fun. They're interesting. Avengers is looking like more and more of a catastrophe for, for Square Ooh. Enix and for Disney I, as time goes on. I should have brought that up as a topic, but we'll talk about that maybe next week a little bit more. We will, because I, I would like to talk about that as well next week. Yeah, so we'll, I would, we'll, I would. we'll, we'll hold that. There that. you go. A pre-announcement. Topic of the week next week. 
Avengers. Avengers. What Why did it fail? What Why did it fail? Yeah. What's going on? Uh, can I? Can I? Can I? Can I preface that with an "I told you so"? Are we? No, no, I won't do that. <laughs> uh, you can try, but I'm still going to turn around and go, "Hey, I'm still playing it and I'm still having fun." Okay. So right. we digress. We'll anyway. talk about it. We'll talk yeah, about, we'll about it. it. We'll talk about it. All right. Cool. So uh, those are our recommendations. Uh, Chris uh, recommending out Wilds available on Xbox, PlayStation, PC. PC. Yeah, um, I do believe that's available on Xbox Game Pass if you use that service as well. Oh, so excellent. if you're a Game Pass subscriber or Game Pass Ultimate, I think it's available on PC and Xbox via Game Pass. Um, and uh, my one was Star Wars Squadrons, which, uh, like I said, is available on EA Play Pro, which I think is only available on PC. PC. But uh, you can buy the game as a standalone title on PC, PlayStation, and Xbox. Okay. I don't know if we know about any of these two games turning up on next gen, because if you've got an Xbox One X... Uh, no, Xbox Series X. Bloody hell. Uh, <laughs> as you're listening to this, so it begins. Um, I don't know if they're going to be available on that, so... Backwards compatibility, maybe, probably. Yeah, tweet us. Let us know. Ah, cool. Uh, so, that's the end of our recommendations, and we will go on to uh, find out what's happening at the Arcade Vaults this week. Hey... Oh yeah, so uh, I'll probably do that segment. Yeah, let's see it again. Sorry, I, I sat there. I should have. I should have kind of guided you into that instead of just that's, letting that's you go. That's okay. That's, a, that's all right. I can, I, can, I can do it. Uh, yeah. So what's happening this week? Um, we spoke free, We spoke last week about all the events that were coming up. Uh, the biggest thing, of course, is Wednesday the eleventh. We reopen. Uh, we in Cardiff and in Wales now as a whole are out of lockdown. There are new rules in place. Um, but mostly they revolve around just pubs and bars and restaurants, so they shouldn't affect most of our stuff that's happening. So, first um, up, streams. Uh, we have got possibly a regular stream happening on Mondays, maybe, uh, with Tom and myself. We'll see how we go with that. Um, streams will pop up when they pop up, basically. But so you just keep. On Monday front, we've just started playing. Not Man of Medan, uh, Little Hope. Little right? Hope, the, yeah. We just started, yep. Yeah. Uh, so, so uh, I believe you can go onto Twitch and you'll be able to go back and watch last week's one and then last night's one as yeah. you're listening to this now. This one, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and we'll probably continue to play that, I guess, until we finish it at some point. Yeah, somehow. I don't know yeah. It goes on. <laughs> yeah, we'll see it goes. Yeah, kind of like you started it now, you kind of got to finish it. Um, yeah. Uh, we probably, due to demand from the team and not from the audience, will probably play Among Us again at some point. <laughs> Among Us has been very popular amongst the team. Uh, everyone's enjoyed playing it a lot. Um, and we do, you know, it, it, so it'll probably pop up again. Uh, so in terms of streams, just keep an eye out. Uh, there will be some regular days. We, we're just kind of working out how it's going to work while we transition to back to being open again. Um, but events-wise... Um, our first kind of day of event is going to be on Saturday the 14th. We're going to do a set of high score day where we're going to have out all our... Uh, we're going to reset our high score board in the arcade so everyone can come in and set scores on popular games, list of games to come. Uh, we will be doing our new exciting ramen night uh, up here so in excited. up here in, this, in, the, in the community rooms um, on the 19th. Uh, you need to book a place for that. Uh, there are limited spaces left. It's going to be great. Proper home. It looks so good. It's going to be so good. Excited. 
Um, uh, we have Minecraft with the kids coming up on the 21st, and we have the return of Face to Face D&D uh, on the 5th of December. We were going to run it online, and then we had more details about how the post-fire break uh, situation would be, and we decided that we'd just push it back a couple of weeks and run it face to face. So December the 5th, we'll be going to be running three games uh, twice. Uh, ticket information to be launched probably by the time you're listening or watching this. Uh, so yeah, 5th of December. And uh, that's kind of it. Oh, there was one more thing. Uh, details to be announced, but we have got our birthday happening soon. Our second birthday. Uh, two years. Two years. Uh, technically, our second birthday is on the 23rd, but that kind of falls between Saturdays. So uh, one of the Saturdays we'll be doing something. It won't be a party because, you know, restrictions and COVID, but there will be something happening. So keep an eye out on the space. All right. And that's um, kind of it. Before we close off, Chris, I'm going to I'm gonna grab you for a second. Um, obviously, we're reopening. We did this a little bit when we came out of the last lockdown, but especially mm-hmm. with the D&D stuff coming. Um, might just be re- worth reiterating for anybody that's planning on visiting that haven't visited since the last lockdown ended. What we've done to the arcade to try and make sure that it is COVID safe and so on. Just for anyone that has any That's kind of a good idea. That's a good idea. I have this list permanently sitting up in front of me anyway, so I can, <laughs> I can remember. Uh, so uh, generally around... The, the, this is across both lockdowns and both unlockdowns or you know what you would call it uh we are we have hand sanitized throughout the venue so you can uh keep yourselves clean your hands clean and wipes for all the consoles and controllers next to each one so you can wipe them down as you use them uh we have to have we have to make sure everyone's socially distant so what we've done is we've switched off every other machine um so that you can stay spaced out um it does mean on saturdays that uh, we open up our third floor here, the community rooms, so that there's a bit more space for people to come and play stuff when it's a bit busier. Um, you have to wear a mask through that throughout the venue. That's that's the law. That's the requirement, uh, unless you're eating or drinking, of course. And we do have to take contact information from the lead part member of your group. Group-wise, uh, these, these are part of the new rules. Uh, you have uh, there's a limit of four people uh, if you don't know each other uh, or if you're from the same household uh, there's no well we'll accept large groups Uh, I don't know what the official number is but I think it might be 15 Uh, but if you live in a house of 15 people you need to get out and you probably don't (laughs) want to be with those 15 people so Um, uh, children under 11 aren't included in that total so that should be fine if you're ordering drinks or food, you'll have to be seated. Um, we'll give you a menu and come and take your order. Um, that's kind of it, really. Uh, we do have a lower limit on our capacity. So uh, we do recommend that, especially for Saturdays, if you're going to come in a, a bigger group, email, contact us, let us know your arrival time so we can book you in. Um, that's yeah that's kind of it really i think yeah it's it's just making sure that we have everything there safely i mean we do have a a member of the team kind of going around and kind of periodically wiping down machines and with things like the ramen night and food and drink we're we're making sure that we're all masks and sanitized and things when we're dealing with all of that so that you know that you're safe and stuff so Mm -hmm. uh lots and lots but uh yeah come out play games do it safely 
Definitely. We will do our bit and you can do yours and it will all be super happy and chill. Yeah, it will be. And you'll have it fun. Will. Absolutely. Oh, I can't wait to see what we're going to do for our birthday now. It's going to be exciting. <laughs> yeah. Magic. Um, so I think that's it for the podcast this week. Uh, we know what's coming up. We've had a chat about the news and things. Um, keep an eye on all of our social media channels. So Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, you can see all the news about the events and stuff there and all the streams that we have coming up. Um, you can always reach out to us there if you need to as well. Um, and until we see you next time, if we don't see you on a stream first, we'll see you next week on the Arcade Box Podcast. Cheers. Bye-bye.